Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. In Acts, when the Holy Spirit fell, they accused him of being drunk. And many walked away. They couldn't handle the change. And they missed out on what God was doing many, many times. So we need to be open. I remember sharing with a pastor who said, I'm not going to have people hanging from the chandeliers and jump in the pews. And I said, well, would you be open to it if God was doing it? And he couldn't answer that question because it was tough for him to answer that question. And we need to be open to what God's going to do. He's a God of order, but that order don't always look like we think order is. So make sure, make sure your heart is a place where God can do that work. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, it's an interesting morning. Let's see how we go here with the word this morning. If you would, uh, open your Bibles to Psalm 25. And while you're turning there, I just wanted to share a little bit. Well over a month, I've been sharing about David. Um, I'm missing Edie this morning. Edie uh, came and mentioned to me that she loves the story of David. David is the hero for her in the Bible. I know with Pastor Bill, Joseph was the hero for him in the Bible. I know that many of us kind of pick a character that we can relate to. Um, I tend to relate to Peter because he's thick-headed and thinks he can do things that he can't do, and then he has to get embarrassed and set on his face before he can finally do something good, you know. So uh, this morning, I want to talk more about David. Uh, Many of you have been here to hear what I've been saying about him, And at the risk of being redundant, I still feel it's necessary to review how David came into his his kingship. Much like a hammer hits the nail, several strikes to drive it home. Today's probably going to feel like that. And you'll say, well, Tim, we've already visited these scriptures and we've already looked at them and you've already said these things. But, you know, sometimes it don't sink in for us until we get it several times. And so there's some things I definitely want to look at this morning. Um, I'm going here because I believe there is more under the surface of God's word than we can draw from. And I think we have, we have to f- be careful that we don't find ourselves reading scriptures at the surface. God is multifaceted. He's like a diamond. You turn it just a little bit, you'll see a different light and a different reflection. And I think that's how God's word is. It's like, be careful of the familiarity of it. Because you tend to want to move over it. But we want to sink in and see what God's telling us this morning. My heart for Union Street is that from this place, many ministries will rise up and reach the world for Jesus. And if there are going to be many ministries, there has to be many ministers. 
And we are ministers. We all are. We all have this role. It is not a, a single pastor model where this person that gets to stand up here has all the answers. That's really never God's plan. I don't know how we got to this place, except we do know in Romans they'll say, well, how do they know unless they hear? And how can they hear unless someone preaches the word? And so we, we follow that suit. But God's plan for his church is that we're all ministers. We're all workers in the kingdom. And let me just share with you, you're not an employee. An employee gets a wage. An heir gets an inheritance. God has an inheritance for you. And he wants to do more in your life than just give you wages. Somebody ought to say amen. So turn in your Bibles to Psalm 25, if you're not already there. And we'll read that this morning. I just, we spent... A little time in Psalm 23, we spent a lot of time in 24, and I'm going to continue with David's heart so you can understand who he is. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and your loving kindness, for they have been from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your loving kindness, remember me. For your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Verse 11, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul will abide in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him and he will make them known his covenant. My eyes are continually toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive my sins. Look upon my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with violent hatred. Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Let's pray. Father God, we bless you this morning, and we thank you for your word, Lord. We know that our hearts are to be humble, Lord. We know that we desire to get before you in a humble state, Lord, that a pride comes before a fall, and Lord, that it has no good in us. And so, God, we pray that you speak to our hearts to help us, Lord God, to be humble, to understand it's not about us, that it's about you, and that these things that we may go through may be temporary trials, or they may even be a, a testing of us, God. So let us not fail, Lord God. Let us keep walking with our eyes fixed on you, with our heart firmly fixed on you, Lord God, that we might seek after you all our days. Lord, bless this place, bless these people. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
Amen. There are many, many things you will need to know as God moves you into the ministry that he's called you to. But there are two things that you must know to be successful at all. And we've been talking about them. You must know who God is. And I'm not just talking about saying that, yes, there's a God. We must know who he is. We must be in the word. We must be in prayer. We must be in fellowship. And, and we need to be together. It says, do not forsake the fellowship. It's wonderful that it's here, but it should be in your homes. We should be gathering and sharing Christ with one another so that we could all be stronger and know him better. Prayer, our prayer time in the closet and also out on the street, the word of God. We must dig deep to know who he is, not just know that he is. It says the devil believes in him, but the devil doesn't believe him. We must believe God. The second thing you must know eventually is you must know who you are in God. You must know who you are in Christ. That's a hard part because many of us don't know who we are. We have an identity issue. The culture is full of identity issues. We don't understand that we are sons and daughters of a most high king who owns it all. And we walk around like we're peasants. And Leonard Ravenhill says they'll be inside of glory no longer than 10 seconds and they'll look around and they'll say, oh my gosh, all this was available to us and we partook of none of it. God has so much for us. He has so much more. So turn with me again to 1 Samuel 16. I'd like to back up there a little bit. And we're going to read 1 Samuel 16, 13 through 23. We've been talking and talking, and it was wonderful to see some anointing to go on this morning. And don't discount that. You don't know what the Lord is going to do. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, talking about David, in the midst of his brothers. The spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward, and Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Saul's servants then said to him, behold, now an evil spirit from God is terrorizing you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you. Let them seek a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall come about when the evil spirit from God is on you that he shall play the harp with his hand and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the young men said, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite who is a skillful musician, a mighty man of valor, a warrior, one prudent in speech, and a handsome man, and the Lord is with him. Verse 19, so Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the flock. Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a jug of wine and a young goat and sent them to Saul by David his son. David came to Saul and attended him. And Saul loved him greatly. He became his armor bearer. Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David now stand before me for he has found favor in my sight. So it came about whenever the evil spirit from God came to Saul, David would take the harp and play it with his hand and Saul would be refreshed and be well and the evil spirit would depart from him. I want to take a special look at verse 18 in this chapter. 
And it says, then one of the young men said, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Behold, I have seen. The young servant had seen David. This is a message for us this morning, and I don't want it to slip by. A young man has seen David, and David was just being David. He didn't ask to be seen. He didn't really want to be seen that we know of. He's tending the flock. He's killing a bear. He's killing a lion. He's playing his music. He's just David. He's just doing what he does. Nothing special. He hasn't come before the king yet. He hasn't, he hasn't pursued any of his anointing. In fact, he doesn't pursue any of his kingship anointing until well after he slays Goliath. He's just being himself. David is being who God made David to be. His identity is okay. He's a sheepman. He is a shepherd. He is a herdsman. That's all he is. That's all he's doing. The message for us this morning, be who you are. We're so worried. And I wish young people were here because they're so worried. Not that y'all aren't young. That didn't sound good, did it? I looked up and I seen some young people in the back. I said, whoops. On Saturday night, as Pastor Bill would say, well, we got a bunch of white hairs again tonight. <laughs> but I wish young people were here to listen and know and understand that who they are is who God made them, and it's okay. And we get formed a little bit out of shape sometimes by our culture and our surroundings and our environment, but God is on the throne, and who he has made you to be is who he has made you to be. David's just being David. And this young man has seen David. And he has watched David, apparently. I don't think he's just seen him once, to be honest. I think he's seen David. How would he know that, that he was all these things unless he had spent time with him? How do you know who God is unless you spend time with him? And it says, David, who is a skillful musician, David was a skillful musician. We see that in people that it's a gift. I see people that can play instruments and I just go, wow, I don't know how they do it. It's a gift. And then I see people who play instruments who also put their heart in it and they become skillful. And they have a skill. I believe it's a God-given gift and that gift is also joined with this desire to do well with the gift and they become skillful. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, the big deal is David was skillful. If David played the harp like I play guitar, he probably would have never gotten asked. I'm not joking. Okay, I'm thank God for what he's doing, but I only know the cowboy chords. We have to change all our songs and put these little capos on and everything else because I don't really know how to play the guitar that well. It's okay. I is who I is. Okay. But David was skillful in what he did. There was something beautiful about his music, something about it that he did. I see people who have a gifting in a certain trade, and it amazes me. And I know it's a gifting. And let's just face it. You do well what you do often. You like my haircut? 
I get a haircut by a lady who cuts hair all the time. Thank God I don't have the scissors in my own hand. You understand what I'm saying? But you become skillful. God will gonna, God's going to use this skill somewhere. I don't know what it is or why or where, but I'm telling you, there's something to it. Don't just, don't just, I was going to say poo-poo it. You shouldn't say that in church, I guess, but you know what I'm saying. And don't have a false humility about your skill. You've worked all your days and all your life, and you've become good at something. And God wants to use that something. Now, it may be totally different from what he lands you in in a ministry. I get that. But I'm going to tell you, David doesn't win, win wars by being a skillful musician, does he? But God used it. Do you understand? Do you see where I'm at? It says he was a mighty man of valor. A valor just means that he's simply going to tackle things that are probably untackleable. He is not afraid to go after something that may be difficult. He has valor. He has character is probably a good word. He was a man of character. When this, when this young man saw David, there must have been something about him that he went, wow. Uh, hear me. He's 19 years old. Today's 19 is like seven. Really. We've, we've lost our way in this culture. I've always said that, uh, you know, when boys turn 12, you ought to make them watch 10 Clint Eastwood movies, make them bale hay for two summers, and make them pitchfork clean out and crust the chicken house, and they'll become men. Yeah. It's okay, guys. Relax a little bit. Y'all tense today. He's a mighty man of valor. He has character. He has the ability to hold himself well. For some reason, this young man sees him and sees his valor. He sees something about David. The next thing it says, he says, he says he's a warrior in verse 18. A warrior. Well, he must know. He must know he slayed a bear or perhaps a lion. But there's something in him that he said he's a warrior. Okay? Stay with me. This will make sense in a minute. He was one prudent in speech. Prudent. In other words, David knew when to talk and when not to talk. David knew when to use his words and when not to use his words. And some of us will say, well, that's just who I am. I just say whatever comes out. Well, stop saying whatever comes out and say what the Lord wants you to say. Start today. Well, that's a hard word. Well, it's for myself too, just so you know. Being who we are is not an excuse for being a person who is not godly. God desires to change us and to sanctify us and to grow us. And he desires for us to be a better picture of him every day. Yeah. He was prudent in speech he was a good communicator. He knew how to communicate. And it says he was a handsome man. And I've, I've kind of looked that up a little bit. And it's just not as we see handsome today. All wrapped up in that is that he took care of himself. He, he presented himself well. He, so he was a shepherd, but he didn't look like a shepherd. In other words, you know, he was working in the grease pit at the oil change place but he knew how to wear a nice shirt with his name on it and keep it clean. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
He took care of himself. He was probably fairly well-groomed. He understood. He wasn't just good-looking in that sense. In fact, you know, his father said, doesn't even call for him when it's time to get anointed. He's a handsome man. He's, he's put together. And here, the Lord is with him. The most important thing about David that this fellow recognizes, and by the way, the Lord is with him. How would you like that to be talked about when they're talking about us? Wouldn't that be awesome? Keep your bookmark here and turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Let's just start right in verse 1. 1 through 7. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews about the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So you think we have problems in the church? They have problems in the church. Okay. So the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, verse 3, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmelanus, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. How about that? I love that word at the end. The priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And that sound a little crazy? So it's, it's saying that they weren't obedient to the faith. Okay, that's just an extra. I want you to specifically look at verse 8. Well, let's back up. Let's look at verse 3 for a minute. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Now, how do you suppose that a person would find a man of good reputation? What would you have to do to find a person of good reputation? You'd have to know them. You'd have to spend time with them. You'd have to see how they live their life. How would you know if they were full of the Spirit? Same way. You've got to be in, involved in what's going on to be used in what's going on. Many, many lone wolves desire to be ministers of the gospel, and they get out there on their own, and they wonder why they can't make it. Well, God didn't plan to be an individual. God planned it to be a team. God planned it to be a church, a body, that we need each other. One of the things you must know is that whether you like it or not, people are watching you and they're seeing, are you a person of character? Do you, do you have good uh, morals? Are you, are you faithful to Christ? People are looking at us all the time. They, they, they want us to mess up if the truth be known. They want to watch us to see if we can fail. Somebody say, I agree with that. Yeah. Look at verse 8. And Stephen, 
full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. So they chose Stephen, and Stephen was full of grace and power and was performing great wonders and signs among the people. In fact, this verse is the verse that I use to show that the gifts didn't end with the apostles. This is the second generation now from the apostles. They're handing this off. Are you with me? Now turn to Acts 8, 4. 8, 4 through 8. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. And now we see Philip. These people that were chosen for ministry to, to carry on the ministry were chosen because someone saw them and saw them and knew them and spent time with them and knew that they were godly people. All right, let's go back to Samuel. I think I said keep your finger there. I hope I did. Go back to Samuel 16. And again, we're going to look at 18. A young man had witnessed David's walk, his abilities, his attributes, his character, his ability to communicate, the way he took care of himself, and most notably noticed that the Lord was with him. I want to shift a little bit from that, but I want you to understand I'm going to leave that part of the message for you to just hang on to. I just want you to know that who we are in the world makes a difference if we're going to make a difference in the world, that people are watching. And it's not just an outward process. Uh, we're all good at faking the outward. Uh, I'm sure this never happens in your home, but occasionally Pam and I have an argument on the way to church. You know, and then get here and pretend like it's all okay. And by the way, it's all okay because we're committed to the covenant. Not good that we argued. Not good how we behave sometimes, but it's good that we said yes and yes to God. Amen? Amen? So it's not just an outward appearance. We know that David had a pure heart. He was a man after God's own heart. So I want you to hold on to that and keep that, but I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to talk about words today. I want to talk about proclamations and declarations and decrees so let's look at chapter 17. Turn to 1 Samuel 17, 41. 17, 41. Let's read 41 through 47. Then the Philistine came on and approached David. Now we've been through this three or four times, I know, but I want you to see, I want you to hear, and I want you to know. Then the Philistine came on and approached David with a shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Verse 44. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. 
Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the, bird, to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. In verses 43 and 44, Goliath makes his proclamation. Goliath looks at David. He's disdained. He's upset. Are you kidding me? They sent a boy here to do a man's job? That's his attitude. They send some young punk out here to deal with me when I've slayed man after man after man after man, and they're going to send this kid, and his pride wells up. And he thinks he has everything under control, but the reality of it is he doesn't. And he says to David in 43, am I a dog that, that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David. And the Philistine also said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Let me share something with you. What Goliath doesn't have that David has is the Lord of hosts. What the enemy doesn't have that you have is the Lord of hosts. When the enemy says, I'm going to do such and such or this and such or do this in your life or this is going to happen to you or you need to be afraid or you need to be scared or don't you dare take that promotion because you could never handle it or whatever the case is going to be. When the enemy is lying to you, he don't have the Lord of hosts. We have the Lord of hosts. Are you hearing me? The enemy is a liar. Settle it. Let me get this straight with you. You're not crazy if you have voices in your head. Well, maybe a little bit, but not always. We all have the voice in our head that says we shouldn't, we can't, we can't, we couldn't. We never will. I'll never be that. This happened to me when I was little, and so I can never be that. Okay? All of us fight these things. If you don't, then come see me next week. You can stand up here and teach us. But I believe we all have that voice that wants to beat us down. And you know, we do a good job on ourselves. Sometimes Satan just stands by and says, look, he's beating himself down. I don't even need to do anything. But sometimes Satan is beating us down. And he's whispering in our ear as best he can how we are a failure. But he don't have the Lord of hosts. We have the Lord of hosts. Words, proclamations, declarations, decrees... Goliath makes his proclamation. David's there, and he's listening to the proclamation. And I think what's going through David's mind is, I'm not worried about this cheesecake. I'll take him out. The bear was more ferocious than him. The lion scared me more than this guy. Because the things I've done and the things that I'm using now and my experiences in life have now made me available to do these things. And we've talked about this. But here's what I want you to see in verse 5 and 45, David makes his decree. He says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. And I want to stop there. Sometimes the voices you're hearing are real things. Goliath has a sword. In fact, he's got a shield bearer standing out in front of him. 
and he has a sword, and he has a spear, and he has a javelin, and they're very real. There are real things against us in our life as we move through in our walk with God. When you set your heart to the ministry that God's called you to, you're going to find out there are very real things that will come against you. And David acknowledges those things are real. But then he shares this in his decree. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. In other words, you come to me. Listen, our fight today is, hey, you're coming at me with an earthly weapon. I am not worried. I come to you in the name of the Lord. We need to really live our lives this way, guys. I don't even care if it's something simple. If you're, if you're perhaps just getting mistreated somewhere and maybe you're the clerk behind a desk and, and the customer's unruly. You can't let that Run your show. God is in charge. He says, I come with my Lord. Look what else he decrees. In verse 46, he says, This day that the Lord will de deliver you up into my hands. I'm sharing with you, it's our spoken word. And sometimes it's not even spoken, it's just words that are running around in our head, maybe as you're shaving. Men, in the mirror in the morning, maybe ladies, when you're doing your hair or your makeup and the words are coming to you and they're negative and they want to beat you down, it doesn't matter. You need to proclaim in the name of Jesus, I'm a child of the Most High God and He loves me and I love Him and I really don't care what you have to say, devil. Yes. Yes. And He says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. Now listen, David has something that's unique. He has the Spirit of God upon him. And we know in the Old Testament, that's how God did his work. I believe that David's making this proclamation, not just what he thinks, but what he thinks God has already shown him. I believe he knows that he has already seen this, and this is what God is going to do. And I want to share with you, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And if you ask him, he'll show you things. I'm telling you, he will show you things. He will tell you things that you've never heard before. Cheryl was talking about it last night in talking about baptism. And I shared earlier that we're going to have a baptism down at Lewis Beach in the spring, in summer maybe. But it says when Jesus was getting baptized by John that this this figure like a dove came upon him or around him. And see, John sees that because he has the gift of the Spirit. John is, has the Spirit upon him. He is a prophet. He is telling and knowing and seeing things that others cannot see. And he sees that dove descend upon Jesus and stay. Now, it's not a dove. We know that, okay? But are you hearing what I'm saying? So, listen, when we talk about giftings, okay, I don't want to wig you out, but I'm telling you, the gospel message is that we have the Holy Spirit and we can see things that others can't see. We have discernment. <laughs> like, hey, don't hit your head on that coffee table. Now, some of that's just common sense when the kid's playing, but some of it is that the Lord's showing me on the third time that boy's going to hit his noggin. I can see it coming. Thanks for laughing, Steve. Nobody else likes my jokes. <laughs> I keep got to pay you again. Right. 
But you, are you hearing what I'm saying? The Lord shows you things. The Lord says, no, let's turn right as we're walking down the street. That was a testimony that you may have missed. And he says, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky, etc., 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 so that they will know that there is a God in Israel. Listen, this is what I find cool about David. He, he wasn't, the, the giant in front of him was just a giant in front of him. There's a whole army back there. And David looks beyond that, beyond the, the immediate circumstance of the issue. And he says, well, not only you, but I'm going to deal with all of you. God is going to put you on your faces. And he's able to look past that. Can I share with you that the enemy always wants you to focus on what's right before you and then you lose track of what's out in bed of you? And some of you can't even make a plan for next year because you're so consumed with what he's done yesterday. I know I get there. But David doesn't stop at Goliath. He says, the army of the Philistines this day, the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. But not only that, but I want you to notice something. There's others watching David. And then he says, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by the sword or the spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Our hands. Do you understand the ministry is ours? It's not mine. It's not yours. It's ours. It's for us. Whatever God wants to do, he wants to do for his entire body, for the entire world, if they would listen. And it struck me funny that David just didn't worry about Goliath, but he said, that army back there, God's going to deal with you, and y'all are going to see what God's going to do. And when you see what God's going to do, you're going to be encouraged. You're going to see what God's done. You're going to be encouraged. Tim wrote that song. Hey, let's do it again. Why? Because it's encouraging to know what God has done in this community and what he's going to do again. Okay? You with me? Goliath makes his proclamation. He was used to winning. He became confident in himself, full of pride. If we're not careful, that's who we are. In fact, the scripture says when he saw David, he disdained him. That, that there's something, it's an, it's an emotion that's going on in Goliath. We have friends out there that see us in ministry and, and they struggle with it. And, and some of those friends has even, have even prayed for you to get in ministry, and then you get in ministry and do something great, and they struggle with it. Well, I don't know why. We're human, I guess, or whatever the emotions are. But certainly Goliath is having a problem that this kid's coming out. With David, it's different. David decrees what the Lord will do through him, not what he's going to do himself. David decrees that the Lord's going to use him to take his head off. Not what he's going to do himself. David has a full understanding that any power and strength and might and, and success for the victory is going to come from God. End of story. Guys, get it straight. Anything that we do in our life that's going to have that kind of victory is going to come from God. I'm not saying you can't do a lot on your own because we know that we can. 
but it'll never be as good as what God could have done with it if you would have let him. God has worked all these things out beforehand and he's worked these things out in your life beforehand. And it's not too late. If you're older, it's not too late. He wants to use every single experience that you have in ministry. David is anointing, is anointed. He is seen. He has skills. He has valor. He is a warrior. He is prudent in speech, a good communicator. He's put together, handsome, well-kept. And most important, David has the Lord with him. So that all would know it is the Lord of hosts who has the victory. All the glory goes to God always. We're about out of time. I think I'm going to leave it here and probably continue this message because I have four more pages. I think we're going to continue this message next week. But I want to share this with you. As David is out there doing the work of the Lord, not only is Goliath waiting to see what he's doing, not only is the enemy waiting to see what he's going to do, but the whole army behind him and even the king is watching. Amen? Yeah. I'm going to pray and leave it there. We're going to finish this next week. Father God, we bless you today. We thank you for your word, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that we have a reminder this morning that this isn't just about us, that our character matters and our valor matters and our skills matter. And the things that we do and the people that see us, that all matters, God. And that not be an outward, just uh, fake representation of something. But, Lord, that inside our hearts would be pure and that would lend itself to make our outside have clean hands, God. So we lift ourselves to you this morning, God. We pray that you will use us in our workplaces, in our families, in our homes, out with friends on vacation, wherever it is, God, the people will see us and have the same feeling that they had about Philip or Stephen or David. Father, that they would see that we are people of the Lord and that we love the Lord and that how you look to others is important to us, and that we humble ourselves and we carry ourselves as you would want us to be carried. Father, that you would speak to our hearts about that this morning. God, I pray Lastly, this morning, that you help us declare what it is that you're going to do. Father, I pray that you reveal to us in the spirit what you are going to do and that, God, we would lean into it and not be afraid. Lord, I'd hate to think if David was afraid of the task, what would have happened? But, God, you anointed him. You moved in his heart. He was a man after your own heart. And you did mighty wonders with him, God. We're not asking to slay an army. But Lord, we need the strength this week to slay an enemy that's attacking us on the left and on the right. Yeah. Yeah. Father, even ourselves as we get in the way of what you have for us, Lord. May we humble ourselves and put that second and put you first. Lord, I pray that we would declare and decree that we are saints of God. That we are not orphans and that we are heirs, and we are your children, and that we are blessed, and that we have not only your authority, but through the Holy Spirit, we have the power to defeat sin. We're not enslaved, God. 
We're free. And we take that freedom and serve you with it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, bless everyone in the sound of my voice. Look forward to finishing next week. We praise you and give you all glory and all God's people said. Amen, amen. amen. Well, bless you. I hate to leave you with a little bit of an unfinished there, but I think for the sake of time, we need to call it a day. Bless the Lord. We'll see you next week. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware, where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.